Biden puts out a notice to try and get all of the Trump-era judges to resign because he wants to go back and replace them all. The Dakota Access Pipeline is put under pressure to get ended by Hollywood, of all people. We have an opinion piece on Ronald McDaniel sitting in, telling us what the Trump impeachment trial is going to be, so we'll talk just a bit about that. And Republicans introduced the Omar Act to keep politicians from enriching themselves off of their husbands and wives. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got a bunch of stuff to get to today, and it's once again the big smattering and mishmash of fun stuff, including the judges and uh, Joe Biden coming in trying to make sure that all traces of the orange man are gone. We'll talk a bit about that. We'll talk about Georgia's uh, Secretary of State coming up and starting an investigation into the mysterious phone call of doom that they were going to use to try to do this impeachment even before the Capitol riot happened. And there's going to be so much more here. I mean, Biden in his typical creepiness is back on, uh, that's back on display here. So we'll get to all of that. And then we'll do Twitter trending on top of that here. So before we get into any of that, though, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop for all of your news and commentary needs. Once we get ourselves back up and running and back up off the ground, you can follow us and find great shows like The Generational Gap, The Freckles and Brit Show, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The R-Rated Conservative, and The Daily Ignoramus. Come on over there, pick up some of our swag once we're back up and running, help us support great creators, and bookmark the Coming Soon page so you know and you get your updates as soon as we are back live. Alright, let's look at the stocks to start off with, looking at the Dow first, which had another up day. They're talking about records once again here. We're at 31,385.76 is the new benchmark where they're going to start from here. It looks like it reloaded, so we're not looking and seeing what the previous close was, but the previous close was right down here at the bottom of edge of 31,200. So we're looking at another upswing here. We'll see where the markets go with that, and it looks like the futures are going to bring us up for another leap, so we'll see what happens there. As far as Bitcoin goes, though, that's uh, another thing to watch going on with this because usually you're not seeing Bitcoin go climbing up so hard with the markets. But hey, as of right now, with the money printer going burr, Bitcoin is now at 46,242.30. We had that little bit of a dip where it hit back out down almost to 30,000 once again, and it's now back up to 46,000. Hey, we could see $100,000 of Bitcoin at some point coming up in the near future here, especially if they keep printing money like this and don't have anything to back it up and no jobs to back it up either. So that's something else to watch as we go along here as well. So go ahead and check that out. Maybe get yourself a little Bitcoin and play the gamble as well. I know that once again, watch yourself coming into it at 46,000 because there are going to be people that look at this and say, ah, you know what? I made my money. I'm going to sell it now. But we'll see where this goes. Uh, US fiat is going nowhere quickly. And Bitcoin is going up and up and up. So we'll see what happens with that. From the investors, IBD, to start the day. As soon as it thinks and reloads. There it is. Dow Jones futures signal losses. NVIDIA hits new buy point as Bitcoin tops 47,000. Dow Jones futures along with S&P 500 futures and NASDAQ 100 futures were lower early. 
Tuesday, as the stock market rally set more record highs, Bitcoin surged over 18% after Tesla purchased $1.5 billion worth of the cryptocurrency. Tech titan NVIDIA and Dow Jones leader Disney broke out past a new buy point. The stock market added to last week's torrid gains as the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite rallied 0.95%, the S&P 500 moved up 0.7%, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed 0.8%. Among the Dow Jones leaders, Apple rallied 0.1%, while Microsoft also rose 0.1%. Apple stock remains below its recent buy point, while Microsoft is now out of buy range. Nike is approaching a new buy point after bullishly regaining a key level in recent sessions. Disney broke out past new buy point Monday amid a sharp rise. Tesla rallied 1.3% Monday on Bitcoin news and is again nearing all-time highs. Shares dipped nearly 1% early Tuesday. Among top stocks in or near buy zone, chip giant NVIDIA is in buy range above an early buy point while Dropbox is trying to break out past a new buy point. Apple, Microsoft, and Tesla are on uh, IBD leaderboard stocks. There's the word I was looking for. NVIDIA is on the IBD stock of the day, while Dropbox was Monday's IBD 50 stocks to watch pick, which makes sense because people are kind of starting a mishmash of going to the office and working from home still, so... We'll see what happens with that, and people are using their Dropbox to get their big files back and forth to their to their crews and everybody else that's going along with that. Meanwhile, Nike was featured in this week's Stocks Near a Buy Zone. Ahead of the stock market open, Dow Jones futures lost 0.2% versus fair value, while S&P 500 futures moved down 0.15%. NASDAQ 100 futures lost 0.1%. Remember that trading in Dow Jones... Futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. So, looks like we're seeing a little bit of a down coming here, but that could be just a correction too. Once again, not financial advice, but as far as going on with Bitcoin and some of the other big bloated ones right now, with the way the economy is moving and everything else is going along with that, it is time to look at what you have in your portfolio and look at what could move and what couldn't because there's going to be some major shifting going on here coming up in the near future. All right, from CNBC, Dow jumps more than 200 points to a record. Six-day winning streak is best since August. From Yoon Lee and Pippa Stevens. U.S. stocks climbed on Monday, building on a recent rally to record levels as investors remained optimistic for further COVID stimulus and an economic recovery. The Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, rose 237.52 points, or 0.8%, to a record high of 31,385.76. The S&P 500 gained 0.7% to a fresh closing high of 30, uh, 39,15.59. The blue chip Dow and the S&P 500 have risen for six days straight, making their longest winning streak since August. The Nasdaq Composite advanced 0.1% uh, rather to 13,987.64, also hitting a new record. The Russell 2000 jumped 2.5% to an all-time high after getting 7.7 last week for its best weekly performance since June. The small cap benchmark has surged 16% in 2021 as investors flocked to beaten up value names amid rising hopes for a fast rebound in the economy. <clears throat> now, we're seeing more and more taxes coming here, so uh, I'd hedge your bets on that one. The energy sector rallied more than 4% Monday as Brent crude futures. The international oil benchmark topped $60 per barrel for the first time in more than a year. Which means gas prices are going up. 
Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen urged Congress on Sunday to pass President Joe Biden's stimulus plan, saying if it does, the U.S. could return to full employment by 2022. Yeah, okay. The Senate and House each passed a budget resolution Friday, starting the reconciliation process that would allow Biden's $1.9 trillion rescue package to get through the Democratic-held Senate with a simple majority. We're still very much in a bull market at the early stages of an economic recovery that's gaining momentum, Michael Wilson, chief U.S. equity strategist at Morgan Stanley, said in a note. We continue to recommend stocks with the most upside to an improving economic backdrop as the vaccines are distributed and the normal activities resume. Airline stocks jumped as documents showed Democrats' proposal could include $14 billion for the airline payroll assistance. American Airlines popped 3.4%, while United climbs 5.2%, and Delta rallied 5.1%. The package would include $1,400 stimulus checks, supplemental jobless benefits, and COVID-19 vaccine, uh, vaccine and testing funds. On Monday, Bitcoin's price surged to an all-time high above 44000 after Tesla revealed it bought $1.5 billion worth of the digital asset and said it would soon accept Bitcoin as a payment for its products. Yeah, nothing to do with the fact that they just printed $1.9 trillion. The major averages uh, notched their best week since November as the market shook off fears of a speculative trading frenzy. The S&P 500 gained 4.2% last week, while the Dow and NASDAQ Composite rose 3.6% and 5.4% respectively. So, that is what we are seeing coming back up out of the markets here. It looks like... Everybody's happy about this, except for the futures, because they look like they're down, and I'm still sitting back here nervous, looking to see what happens when people lose everything off of this, because once we start seeing these small businesses that aren't coming back, you notice, because they're talking about American Airlines, they're talking about funding them, but they're never talking about funding small business, just big business. So when these small businesses never come back, I do have to wonder where it is that we see the world and the economy go, and what inflation has to do with this too. So, we'll see what happens there. We'll see what goes on with this. Let's look into the big news and our good white-haired Q-tip president coming in to erase every single instance of his predecessor, starting with Axios. Reports. Biden's DOJ to ask 56 Trump-era attorneys to resign from Rebecca Falconer. President Biden's Department of Justice plans this week to ask for the resignation of the vast majority of U.S. attorneys appointed during the Trump administration, CNN first reported on Monday. This move is expected to affect 56 attorneys confirmed by the Senate. The process that's anticipated to begin as early as Tuesday is set to take weeks, according to CNN. Two attorneys who will not immediately be asked to resign are John Durham and David Weiss, multiple outlets report. Yeah, Durham will be gone pretty soon, don't worry about that. Durham will continue his role overseeing the investigation into the origins of the probe into Trump's dealings with Russia, but he'll resign from his position as U.S. Attorney in Connecticut per Bloomberg. Weiss, who is leading the investigation into the taxes of Hunter Biden, the president's son, will also stay on, according to NBC News. Yeah, he'll be gone pretty soon, too. <clears throat> In 2017, the Trump administration asked the 46 remaining Obama-era U.S. federal prosecutors to resign. 
Biden has picked Judge Merrick Garland to be the U.S. Attorney General. His confirmation hearing was due to begin this week, but Senator Lindsey Graham, the leading Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, rejected that request. Citing the date coinciding with Trump's impeachment trial, the DOJ did not immediately respond to Axios' request for comment. So, this is U.S. prosecutors, of course, and this is, I mean, it's not unprecedented, but, you know, we're looking at this. We're looking at people who are confirmed by the Senate. And where does it come next? I mean, we see the cabinet going away, and with a simple majority in the Senate, the new cabinet can be seated. But then, what happens now? Do we do judges now? I know there isn't a lot of opening on the federal judiciary, and Trump made uh, made for certain of that, but, yep, we're getting in, and we're getting... We're starting to undo some of the Trump stuff here. Let's keep going. From Fox News, Americans should be outraged over Biden's immigration actions. Oh, it's going to reload, and we're going to get autoplay. Dismantling ICE, Maryland Sheriff, from Talia Kaplan. A Maryland Sheriff warned of President uh, Joe Biden's immigration actions on Monday. Let me get rid of that. There we go. A Maryland sheriff warned of President Joe Biden's immigration actions on Monday, arguing that Americans will not be safe and immigrant communities will not be safe. These types of laws lead to more victims of crime, more violent crime, and gangs infiltrating this country, Frederick County Shud, uh, Sheriff rather Chuck Jenkins said on Fox and Friends on Monday. Jenkins also said Americans should be outraged at Biden for his immigration actions, arguing the president has dismantled ICE by basically telling agents to stand down. Jenkins made the comments reacting to an interview by an unnamed official who told the Washington Post on Sunday that the Biden administration abolished ICE without abolishing ICE. The pendulum swing is so extreme, the official continued, it literally feels like we've gone from the ability to fully enforce our immigration laws to now being told to enforce nothing. U.S. immigration authorities will revise their approach to arrests and deportations under President Biden, according to Homeland Security officials. U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services recently rescinded two 2018 policy memos related to the issuance of notices to appear when processing requests for immigration benefits, USCIS spokesman Matthew Bork said on Sunday. The agency was directed to rescind the relevant policy in a Department of Homeland Security memo issued January 20th. That's the day Biden was inaugurated, and when he signed a slew of executive orders, some of which rolled back parts of former President Trump's immigration policy, he strengthened the protections for recipients of the Deferred Action of Childhood Arrivals program and halted work on the border wall. The DHS change took effect February 1st and attempted to place a 100-day halt on removals except under certain circumstances before a judge shut down the policy. And... I mean, that's what we're sitting here looking at with this. Now, once again, the 100 days, I was okay with that because we've got brand new people coming into the department. Nobody knows what's going on. They can't bet the people coming into the department yet, so some people could start and go out and act all vigilante. And, you know, up until you get your bearings, you know who's there. Unless the person is a criminal, yes, we can probably sit back and halt some of the deportations. That's... That's one way to go back and look at some of this. But some of the other stuff with this, and, you know, I stand apart from most libertarians on the fact that I am a border hawk. I look back at this and I say, how can we? How can we put up fences around our property and tell people to stay off our property, saying that we'll defend our property with a gun and not do the same for our country? 
Now, I do understand the libertarian philosophy and not getting the government involved in some of this, but, I mean, that doesn't make sense to me. And I, I will always be a border hawk. I always will be. And looking at this, now, I've said this before right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the Biden administration, even before he came in and was inaugurated, Biden is not going to give amnesty and citizenship to 11 million illegal immigrants because then they suddenly get benefits. They suddenly have the ability to protest against their employers and his, biz, uh, his big business buddies are not going to like that. And even if, excuse me, even if he is going to come in and bring in citizenship for 11 million illegals, you know, halting and doing the stand down, that just means more illegal people can come in and go and be an effective slave labor uh, cast for all these big business people. It's the same thing with student loans. It's the same thing with everything else off of this here. Biden's going to make a bunch of big promises in order to keep people eyeing him with awe and wonder. He's going to keep putting kids in cages, but he's going to call them overflow facilities now. And we're going to have this permanent underclass forever so that people, so that his big business buddies can run their business for pennies on the dollar. And if anybody complains about the fact that, oh, oh, senor, senor Smith, he make me work another 10 hours and he's not giving me any extra pay. He just wants me to. Oh, hey, you got a problem with that? Oh, hey. You're deported. So there's a strategy to this. It's, you know, the neocon side of this and the Jesus, Jesus Republicans will come out and say, oh, all he's doing is trying to make sure that oh, he gets new voters. He comes in, he brings them in, he legalizes them, and then he gets all kinds of new voters. No, that's not what he's doing. He's looking for a way to get more slave labor in for his big business buddies who donated to his campaign. He's not going to fix this shit. And more and more people are going to come flooding into the country putting strain on the infrastructure without paying the taxes back in. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, I've got one right away from NPR. Longtime diplomat William Burns is Biden's pick to lead CIA. This came from All Things Considered, so it's a transcript of something you hear on NPR where they talk like this and they need your money. NPR is provided to you in part by donations from viewers like you, but mostly from the donations that you're not allowed to complain about because they come right out of your paycheck and they go right back to the government. They will tax you in order for you to pay for NPR. From Bill Chappelle and Greg Meyer. President-elect Joe Biden plans to nominate veteran diplomat William Burns to be the director of the Central Intelligence Agency. Burns, 64, is a former U.S. ambassador to Russia and Jordan. As a career foreign service officer, he worked under Democrat and Republican presidents. He was deputy secretary of state during the Obama years. But he left the State Department in 2014 to run the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace Think Tank. Biden said Burns shares my profound belief that intelligence must be apolitical and that the dedicated intelligence professionals serving our nation deserve our gratitude and respect. Burns' notable achievements include using back channels to launch international negotiations 
with Iran over its nuclear ambitions, he left the government as the U.S. and other countries were working towards an agreement to restrict Iran's nuclear program. The Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action was finalized less than a year after his retirement. President Trump withdrew the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal in 2018, while Biden says he favors returning to the agreement if Iran agrees to abide by limitations laid out in the document. In 2019, Burns wrote a scathing critique of what he called the Trump administration's diplomatic malpractice, saying it had badly mistreated Marie Yovanovitch, the U.S. ambassador in Ukraine, whose removal from her post became a central topic in the president's impeachment and Senate trial. I've never seen an attack on diplomacy as damaging to both the State Department as an institution and our international influence as the one now underway, he wrote. Burns told NPR in late 2019, In my experience, what animates American foreign policy at our best has been a sense of enlightened self-interest. In other words, the view that our self-interest as a country, which we always are going to put first, is best served by making common cause. Burns is now being positioned to replace Gina Haspel, the current uh, CIA chief who rose from deputy director to the top job in 2018 when Mike Pompeo left the agency to become secretary of state. She is the first woman to head the CIA. So, I mean, that's all well and good. And, of course, NPR looks at this, looks at Burns with a glowing eye because he's the most qualified person ever. And, you know, Gina Haspel, she worked under Trump, and she's she's evil, and she waterboarded, and, I mean, she's, she's just an evil Trumper. Look at her. Well, let's see what the Daily Wire has to say about William Burns. Biden's CIA pick was president of think tank that took millions from Chinese Communist Party-tied entities, report. From Ryan Saavedra. President Joe Biden's nominee to be the next director of the CIA, William Burns, was the president of a think tank that reportedly took millions of dollars from entities linked to the Chinese Communist Party. As president of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, Burns also invited nearly a dozen congressional staffers to attend a junket to China where they met with a Communist Party operative and the president of a Chinese front group, the Daily Caller News Foundation reported. Burns, who was paid $540,580 last year as president of Carnegie, will appear before the Senate Intelligence Committee for a confirmation hearing likely to be held this month. Burns, who has been president of the think tank for nearly six years, welcomed Chinese businessman Zhang Yichen, CEO of Citic Consulting, to the think tank's board of trustees, saying that they were very fortunate to have him. The report said that Zhang donated between $500,000 and $999,999 to the think tank over a one-year span between 2017 and 2018 and gave an additional $250,000 and $549,000 $1,999 to the think tank in the last fiscal year. Those are some pretty good-sized brackets. Zhang is a member of two organizations linked to the Chinese Communist Party, according to his biography at Citic Capital, the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, and the Center for China and Globalization. The report said, the CPPCC is an advisory group for the CCP, that is affiliated with China's United Front System, which promotes Chinese government initiatives abroad. The think tank also received funding for the China-United States Exchange Foundation, a Hong Kong-based think tank that has reportedly come under scrutiny in recent years over its ties to China's communist government. I mean, Beijing Biden is going to do things that are good for Beijing, so I don't know why we're surprised about this. But, you know, we'll see what happens off of this. I mean... 
maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a completely clean dude. We don't know. He's never been before the Senate uh, Judiciary and the Confirmation Committee. He's never been before these people. So we don't know where he's got and where his loyalties are going to lie. Yes, it looks suspicious. It absolutely looks suspicious. But I'm not above giving a guy at least the benefit of the doubt when he comes in. But like all government officials, we do need to keep a close eye on him no matter what. So we'll see where this goes and what happens from this. All right, I've got one here from the New York Post. Jen Psaki mocks reporter when asked about Keystone Pipeline job losses. From Ebony Bowden. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said on Monday, mocked a reporter who asked when workers on the canceled Keystone Pipeline would get green jobs promised by President Biden. It's expected that up to 11,000 jobs will be lost following Biden's day one decision to immediately shut down construction of the pipeline that was supposed to carry oil from Canada to Texas, leaving South Dakotans reeling and a thousand people immediately out of work. That number is underreported. It's like 100,000. Where is it that they can go for their green job? Fox News reporter Peter Ducey asked Pisaki at her Monday afternoon press briefing, referring to Biden's promise to create good-paying union jobs in the green energy sector as his administration attempts to end the nation's reliance on fossil fuel. That is something that the administration has promised, and there is now a gap. So I'm just curious when that happens, when the people can count on that, Ducey added. Well, I'd certainly welcome you to present your data of all the thousands and thousands of people who won't be getting a green job, Basaki snarked. Maybe next time you're here, you can present that. Wow, what a disingenuous cunt. But you said they'll be getting green jobs. I'm just asking when that happens, Ducey responded, noting a report by the Laborers International Union of North America that found a thousand union jobs on the Keystone Project would be immediately vanish. Another 10,000 construction jobs expected to be created by the project have also been nixed by Biden's decision. Plus, all the small businesses around that were supplying supplies to the people who are working on there who now have to cut off jobs because they don't have the demand anymore. All the truckers who are transporting product in. All the people in the factories who were making pieces for the Keystone XL pipeline. Yeah, this is more than 11,000 jobs. A prominent union leader and Biden ally, AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka, lashed the decision on Axios on HBO interview on Sunday, saying Biden should have also announced where he would replace those lost jobs. Or at least how he would spur the private sector so they could replace them for him, because it's not the government's job to replace jobs. But they can get the government out of the way so people like you and me can make the new jobs. I wish he hadn't done that on the first day because the Laborers International was right and did and will cost us jobs in the process, Trumpka told Jonathan Swan. I wish he had paired that more carefully with the thing that he did second by saying, here's where we're creating jobs, he went on saying he believed Biden knows his announcement was a mistake. Trumpka, a former coal miner, also signaled his skepticism at Biden's plan to transition coal, gas, and oil workers to clean energy jobs, saying the, he was subject to a similar failed policy. You know, when they laid off all the mines, I'm sorry, you know, when they laid off at the mines back in Pennsylvania, they told us they were going to train us to be computer programmers, Trumpka said. And I said, 
Where are the computer programmer jobs at? Uh, they're in uh, Oklahoma, and they're in Vegas, and they're here. And I said, so in other words, what we're going to be is unemployed miners and unemployed computer programmers as well, he recounted. But Psaki swatted away the criticism and made a vague promise that Biden would put a jobs plan forward in the coming weeks. He has every plan to share more details on that plan in the weeks ahead, she said, when asked how Biden would support the workers left jobless by the decision. Biden's climate czar. Why do we have czars? Why? I don't understand that, especially given the fact that we've been told and brainwashed for the last four years that Russia's evil. Why do we have czars? Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, was also condemned by Republicans last month as out of touch when he suggested the energy and coal workers impacted by climate change efforts could go to work to make solar panels. So, once again, and the government doesn't create jobs. I just said that a bit earlier on to this. But, you know, get the government out of the way, which is not a Democrat thing to do by any stretch of the imagination. It's really not a GOP thing to do either, but... Get the government out of the way and let the private sector create the jobs. And don't shut down big projects. Now, some of these construction workers can go get a CDL, get in a truck, and use fossil fuels to transport the fossil fuels that the pipeline was going to transport. And then dirty up the atmosphere even more. They can go back and do that. That's going to be a job that's going to be open, especially with the pipeline shut down. Trucking is going to boom. So there's going to be that. And, I mean, transporting oil is a pain in the ass. Transporting any fluid, by the way, is a pain in the prick. I don't recommend doing it if you have a choice, but some of these people aren't going to have a choice. So we will see where that goes and what happens to the cost of labor at that point, too. Uh, let's see. I've got one here from The Hill. Overnight energy, Biden faces calls to shut down Dakota Access Pipeline. Hackers breach, attempt to poison Florida city water supply. Dane seeks to block Halen confirmation to interior from Rachel Frazen. It's Monday. Welcome to Overnight Energy, the Hills Roundup of the latest energy and environmental news. Does the dip fall far from the key? President Biden is facing calls to shut down the Dakota Access Pipeline after a court ruled that the Trump administration broke the law when allowing for the pipeline's construction. In recent days, progressive lawmakers, celebrities, and indigenous leaders have asked the president to stop the operation ahead of hearing on court's decision. On Friday, Elizabeth Warren and Jeff Merkley and Nanette Burajan, Raul Grijalva and Raul Ruiz wrote a letter to Biden asking him to shut down the pipeline project and meet with members of impacted indigenous tribes, including the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. By shutting down this illegal pipeline, you can continue to show your administration values, the environment, and the rights of indigenous communities more than the profits of outdated fossil fuel industries, the lawmakers wrote. This is a critical step towards righting the wrongs of the past, setting our nation on a path of environmental, climate, and social justice. They added, I'm going to skip the rest of this here because that actually goes on with this Hollywood Reporter. I want to get to this Florida thing. Water hack. Officials said Monday that a hacker had breached and attempted to poison the water supply for the city of Oldsmar, Florida last week, but had been unsuccessful. Pinellas County, Florida, Sheriff Bob Gualtieri announced at a press conference Monday that the hacker had gained control of the operating system at the city's water treatment facility and had attempted to increase the amount of sodium hydroxide in the water from 100 parts per million to 
100, oh, I'm sorry, 11,100 parts per million. This is obviously a significant and potentially dangerous increase. Gualtieri told reporters, sodium hydroxide, known as lye, is the main ingredient in liquid drain cleaners and is used to control water acidity and remove metals from drinking water in water treatment plants. The hack took place Friday, with one intrusion occurring early in the morning and a second one in the afternoon. Gualtieri stressed that the treatment center's operator immediately noticed the increase, with the hacker hijacking the mouse and opening various applications to make the change. The operator on duty immediately reversed the changes made. At no time was there a significant adverse effect on the water being treated. Importantly, the public was never in danger, Gualtieri said. Even if the plant operator had not quickly reversed the increased amount of sodium hydroxide, it would have taken between 24 and 36 hours for that water to hit the water supply system, and there are redundancies in place where the water had been checked before it was released. The sheriff said that his office was working with the FBI and other federal partners to investigate the breach, alongside state and local authorities, and had warned other critical infrastructure groups. Over the weekend, Gualtieri said the hacker responsible could potentially face state and federal felony charges if caught. Well, I hope they're felony charges because that's attempted murder of a whole fucking bunch of people. Not all in on Halen, Senator Steve Daines has indicated that he will try to block the confirmation of Deb Halen as Interior Secretary. I'm deeply concerned with Congresswoman's support on several radical issues that will hurt Montana, our way of life, our jobs, and rural America, including her support for the Green New Deal and President Biden's oil and gas moratorium, as well as her opposition to the Keystone XL pipeline, the senator said in a statement following a conversation with Halen. I'm not convinced the Congresswoman can divorce her radical views and represent what's best for Montana and all stakeholders in the West. Unless my concerns are addressed, I will block her confirmation, he added. <clears throat> Dane said he could stall the nomination by placing a hold on preventing her from advancing through the procedural vote and instead forcing a cloture vote, which could take a significant amount of time. Halen is likely to ultimately prevail, though, as only a simple majority would be needed to eventually get her nomination to the floor. So that's mostly symbolic too. But I mean, yeah, it's, we've got the Keystone XL, which we'll talk about uh, when we read from the Hollywood Reporter. But yeah, this thing with uh, Florida, that's just, that's nuts. I can't believe I missed that one too. But somebody said in the live chat last night, because that's where I found out about this was the live chat last night. Somebody said in the live chat that these systems should never be connected to the internet in the first place. They absolutely should not. Because then people can get in and do that. I can't believe there wasn't, well, I mean, the best security will eventually fail, but still. Something like that, just, it shouldn't be connected to the internet. It shouldn't. There's no reason. But, there we are. Alright, let's read from The Hollywood Reporter. Leo DiCaprio, Ava DuVernay, and more stars call on Biden to shut down Dakota Access Pipeline. You know, including the one there that wrote the full-on fucking worship song of Joe Biden. I mean, this is this is demonology. This is a demon cult at this point. It's almost as bad as the MAGA cult. No, actually, it's worse, because these people tell you what to think when they release their shitty movies. On the day of his inauguration, President Joe Biden issued an executive order that revoked the permit for the long-disputed Keystone XL oil pipeline. 
The world must be put on a sustainable climate pathway to protect Americans and the domestic economy from harmful climate impacts and to create well-paying union jobs as part of the climate resolution. Read the January 20th order. Leaving the Keystone XL pipeline permit in place would not be consistent with my administration's economic and climate imperatives. Now, less than three weeks later, more than 200 people have signed a letter addressed to Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris because she is making every decision at this point. You notice she's involved in everything on this one. Whereas, I mean, you never saw... When people sent an open letter to Trump, it was never Trump and Mike Pence. It was just to Trump. They're trying to make you okay with the fact that Kamala Harris is going to be president. Urging them to shut down the Dakota Access Pipeline after a court ruled that President Trump's administration broke the law when it pushed forward with construction during his tenure in the White House. The letter, dated February 8th, was signed by actors, artists, filmmakers, producers, indigenous leaders, climate activists, and nonprofit founders, among others. Some of those include Leo DiCaprio, Cher, Ava DuVernay, Jane Fonda, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, so the whole fucking Avengers crew, Scarlett Johansson, Don Cheadle, Jason Momoa, Kerry Washington, Sarah Silverman, Amy Schumer, Chelsea Handler, Jennifer Connelly, and Paul Bettany, Joaquin Phoenix, and Rooney Mara, and newly engaged Aaron Rodgers and Shailene Woodley. Also putting their name behind it are those from the We Stand United Collective. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that Rodgers got into that, but, uh, you know, he's banging Shailene Woodley and she actually was arrested at the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. So you can see where or why it happened. You still got to be disappointed. <clears throat> also putting the names behind it are those from the We Stand United Collective, Mark Ruffalo, producer Bruce Cohn, Julia Walsh, Marissa Tomei, and Rebecca Shakelin. The letter recaps the battle over the Dakota Access Pipeline and details how over the previous four years, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, Yankton Sioux Tribe, and Oglala Sioux Tribe have fought to keep it from being completed. In July of 2020, a court ordered that it be shut down, and a hearing is set for February 10th to determine a final ruling. The pipeline carries oil from North Dakota underground through South Dakota, Iowa, and ending in Patoka, Illinois and has long since been protested by activists, including celebrities like Woodley, who was once arrested during such an event. We urge you to remedy this historic injustice and direct the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to immediately shut down the illegal Dakota Access Pipeline while the environmental impact statement process is conducted, consistent with the D.C. District Court's decision and order. So, once again, more jobs. There are all the names right there. More jobs gone. We'll see what happens with this, and we will see where this goes. Speaking of pipelines, somebody is making much, much bank off of this. We make much bank off this. Nord Stream 2 construction resumes in Danish waters. This is from DW.com, which uh, that's a German publication, I believe. Russia's vessel Fortuna has resumed laying pipes for the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline in Danish water, the project consortium said on Saturday. The pipeline vessel had suspended construction of the almost completed pipeline between Russia and Germany due to U.S. sanctions. All works are performed in line with the relevant permits. 
We will provide further information about the construction works and further planning in due time, the consortium said. The controversial project will double the amount of Russian natural gas exports to Germany through the Baltic Sea Pipeline. Initially stopped in 2019, Fortuna has laid 2.6 kilometers of pipeline in the German exclusive economic zone, bringing the total length of pipeline to more than 2,300 kilometers, according to the DPA press agency. The remaining construction includes 120 kilometers in Danish waters and another 30 kilometers in German waters. And why does this matter? Because without us providing fuel to Europe, now Russia's going to do it instead. So Russia's going to get rich off providing fuel to Europe, and the U.S. is going to stop being a net exporter of energy and fuel. See, the fossil fuels, they're not, they're not going away. I hate to tell you people this. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they're not going away. They're just going to come from the Middle East and Russia instead of the U.S., And gas is going to be $6 a gallon around here. So, yeah. Vladimir Putin is laughing his way all the way to the bank as he sits down and looks to put more control and more pressure on Europe. You knew that was coming, though. You, you knew it was happening. You knew it was going to come. Let's keep going. Georgia Secretary of State Office launches investigation into Trump's phone call because the impeachment trial starts today. And they started this investigation yesterday. You want to bet this is going to come up on the floor as they're doing the trial? From Jason Morris over at CNN. The Office of Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger confirmed to CNN on Monday that it has started an investigation into former President Donald Trump's attempts to overturn the state's election results, including a phone call from the former president made to Raffensperger. During the call, Trump pushed Raffensperger to find votes to overturn the election results after his loss to then-President-elect Joe Biden. No, he didn't. The four-minute clip that CNN put out made it sound like he did, but nobody sat and listened to the full one hour, 10 minute phone call. I have. No, he didn't pressure that. According to audio recording first released by the Washington Post and later obtained by CNN. All I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have because we won the state, Trump had said. Yeah. Take that one little four-minute clip out of context. Raffensperger was adamant in defending the results of the presidential election as well as the integrity of the state's voting system. During the stu uh, stunning one-hour call, Trump lambasted his federal, uh, fellow Republican for refusing to falsely say he won the election in Georgia and repeatedly touted baseless claims of election fraud. There have been no credible allegations of any issues with voting fraud that have been heard by a court. Walter Jones, a spokesperson for Raffensperger, told CNN in a written statement that the Secretary of State's office investigates complaints as it receives. The investigations are fact-finding and administration in nature. Any further legal efforts will be left to the AG. Reuters first, uh, was first to report on the investigation. The announcement of the investigation comes as arguments are set to get underway Tuesday 
in Trump's historic second impeachment trial, in which he is facing a single charge of inciting insurrection after a mob of his supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. The insurrection, in which five people died, including U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, was an attempted by thousands of Trump supporters to interfere with Congress counting the electoral votes, confirming Biden's win, and was the zenith of months of Trump promoting conspiracy theories and lies that the election was stolen from him. The House impeachment managers are planning to use the call with Raffensperger and the months-long campaign to overturn Biden's win as part of their case during the trial, in spite of the fact that it has nothing to do with this. It has, first and foremost, the impeachment is a sham. It's basically a fear tactic to try and make sure that nobody goes back and runs for that office again, unless they're coming from the political elite, which I've been saying since the beginning of the Trump presidency that they're going to do shit like this. But no, it's it's because they went through this investigation and now they have uh, they want to use it still. So they were planning on using the phone call as the second impeachment. One way or another, they were going to do a second impeachment. They were going to find something to do with it. And now it just happens to be the Capitol riot instead of the phone call, instead of the baseless claims, instead of hiring Rudy Giuliani, instead of, in spite of, instead of everything else. Now it's going to be the riot, but now they've got to use all the rest of this stuff to come back and try and say, oh, see, he's evil and orange, and also both orange and evil. So, I guess we're going to be watching the fireworks starting today on the trial. From the Hill. White House. Biden won't spend much time watching Trump impeachment trial. Oh, come on, man. It's like court TV. I want to watch this. No, Mr. President, you'll seem petty. From Brett Samuels. President Biden does not plan to watch much of his predecessor's impeachment trial this week, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said on Monday, as the White House takes a hands-off approach to the Senate proceedings for the former president. The president himself would tell you, that we keep him pretty busy, and he has a full schedule this week. Doing what? He signs a bunch of executive orders and then he goes and takes a lid. Pasaki said a White House press briefing, noting that Biden will visit the Pentagon and the National Institutes of Health and hold meetings and calls focused on his proposed economic relief package making its way through Congress. So I think it's clear from his schedule and from the intention he will not spend too much time watching the proceedings over the course of this week, Pisaki said, adding that Biden will keep in touch with congressional leaders, including Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Charles U. Schumer, on his COVID-19 relief plan. He will remain closely in touch with Speaker Pelosi, Schumer, and a range of officials on the Hill about his plan, and that's exactly what they want him to do. He will leave the pace and the process and the mechanics of the impeachment process up to members of Congress, she said. Trump's trial will kick off in the Senate on Tuesday. The House last month impeached him for inciting violence against the government on January 6th when a mob stormed the Capitol complex in a bid to halt the certification of electoral votes affirming Biden as the winner of the 2020 election. And for the most part, it's going to be a bunch of fucking shit. So... Come on, man. I, I just want to sit and watch Court TV, okay? Hey, I know that guy. Hey, he used to sit in this office. All right. I've got an opinion piece from Fox. So this is not green check verified because it's opinion. RNC Chair McDaniel, Trump impeachment. Here's what this charade tells us about Democrat priorities. From Ronna McDaniel. 
After spending four years telling Americans about the need to move on from President Trump, it turns out Democrats are the ones who can't let him go. Well, yeah, they have to keep him in the headlines forever. I've told you guys about that numerous times. They've got to keep talking about this guy because they have nothing else to talk about. With nothing else to offer, this week, Senate Democrats are resorting back to running the impeachment playbook for the second time in as many years this time of a president no longer in office. Make no mistake, the Senate impeachment trial is nothing more than a political stunt that flies in the face of our Constitution, common sense, and any notion of furthering the common good. Americans can be forgiven for having impeachment fatigue if they feel like we've been here before. Democrats' vendetta against President Trump has always included impeachment, with many of their members calling for him to be impeached even before he ever took office. Now, with millions of Americans still out of work, those same Democrats have decided to best use their time and taxpayer money is to try and remove President Trump from a job he no longer holds. While the eventual outcome of the Senate's verdict is not in question, by moving ahead with impeachment, the credibility of the call for unity by President Biden and the Democrats is. There is no doubt impeachment will bring Democrats together on the one issue that unites them the most, their hatred of President Trump. No, it's their hatred of you that they're doing this for. It's not about President Trump. It is their hatred of you. Democrats are addicted to Donald Trump as they struggle to deal with the symptoms of withdrawal. Having another bite at the impeachment apple was simply too good an opportunity to pass up. At a time when we desperately need unity, impeachment is partisan, politically motivated overreach that will only divide our country further. No, that's not what it is, and that's not what it's going to do. I mean, she was right at the beginning. Having the second impeachment trial is going to be another way to have a Trump in the headlines for much longer. And once again, they can come back and stretch this out for months if they want to. They can keep calling witnesses. They can keep dragging this man's name through the mud in order to keep you talking about him and not Charles U. Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, the pipeline, the jobs that are getting shut down, the pipeline that's being built in Europe, the increased taxes, the stimulus. Hey, this will keep you from talking about COVID and the fact that you're still almost a year behind on your rent, some of you. But yeah, let's go talk and make more headlines about Donald John Trump. It's just like I said yesterday, too, with Joe Walsh, who came back and said, you know, maybe we should let Trump back on, on Twitter. Let him tweet again. Because neocons, like Walsh, need a Trump, so people think that Trump Republicans are bad and forget about the fact that up until four years ago, they hated neocon Republicans. And all the people who praised Walsh for trying to stand up and get Trump out of office will now hate him once again as soon as they remember what he's all about. This is all about keeping him in the headlines. And I do, I am curious to see how long and how far they drag this out. <clears throat> all right, from the Hill. CDC could lay out public school reopening requirements this week, Biden says. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention could, as soon as Wednesday, lay out the requirements for schools to reopen, President Biden said in an interview aired on Sunday. Biden told CBS's Nora O'Donnell in an interview that aired uh, in part before the Super Bowl that he believed it's time for schools to reopen safely after calling it a national emergency that almost two or 20 million American children have not been in a classroom for almost a year. 
You have to have fewer people in the classroom, he said. You have to have a ventilation system that have been reworked. Our CDC commissioner is going to be coming out with a science-based judgment within, I think, as early as Wednesday to lay out what the minimum requirements are. When O'Donnell said it's so hard with kids not being able to play sports, the president responded, it really is. Play sports is code for getting back in the classroom and being indoctrinated by left-wing teachers to go through Marxist ideas. I think about the price of so many of my grandkids and your kids are going to pay for not having the, had the chance to finish whatever it was, he said. That graduation where you didn't get to walk across the stage, I think there are going to be a lot of these, a lot of these kids. Let's have a listen. i got to turn your ears back on. Let's turn to schools. Sure. About 20 million American children have not been in the classroom for nearly a year. There's a mental health crisis happening. There really is. Women are dropping out of the workforce. Is this a national emergency? It is a national emergency. It generally is a national emergency. Do you think it's time for schools to reopen? I think it's time for schools to reopen safely. Safely. You have to have fewer people in the classroom. You have to have ventilation systems that have been reworked. Our CDC commissioner is going to be coming out with science-based judgment within, I think, as early as Wednesday as the layout, what the minimum requirements are. It's so hard with kids not being able to play sports now. A it lot really of kids. is. I think about the price. So many of my grandkids and your kids are going to pay for not having had the chance to finish whatever it was. That graduation where you didn't get to walk across the stage. I think they're going through a lot, these kids. And yet, now that people know what their kids are bringing home and what they're doing in school, I do think that the homeschool is going to be up on the rise, especially now that we have the technology to do it much, much more effectively. You know, we have the resources, the technology. Everybody's got a small computer with access to any piece of information in the world at a moment's notice in their pocket. So that's that's one way we could do this. But we'll see what happens with this. I... I would like to see a little bit more of the commuter, I'm sorry, the non-commuter workforce where people who do basic data entry can work from home. I'd love to see a lot more of that and a lot more homeschool. And the two of them mixing too, by the way. People with the regular data entry jobs that can work from home, taking some time and also doing homeschool because both the parent and the child can be home and then still having community clubs where they can go out and play sports and form up a team and not have to have the intramural athletics associations, various across the state, be the ones that are involved in all this. So we'll see what this means coming forward. I, I said at the beginning of the pandemic, they're not going to let these kids be out of school for long. I'm surprised they made it this long, to be completely honest. I'm very surprised. With the way the teachers union run things and the indoctrination they feel they need to have, I'm very surprised it went this long. Let's keep going. From the Daily Wire, women slam Biden for alleged sexist comments made towards registered nurse. From Daily Wire News, President Biden faced backlash for a comment that he made on Monday to a nurse during a virtual tour of a vaccination site in Glendale, Arizona. Biden had an awkward, flirty moment on Monday during a video conference event with healthcare workers in Arizona, during which he stopped to compliment one nurse for her youthful appearance, even gushing that she looks like a freshman. 
the New York Post reported. Biden got up to some of his creepy old antics when he responded to the nurse's supervisor, detailing descriptions of giving COVID-19 shots by asking her about her age. Biden made the remarks during the following exchange with the registered nurse, Brittany Hayes. Let me see if there's a video. Yep, there it is. We don't have to read the transcript because we've got video. Well, Support. Yeah. are you a freshman at the university? No, no. <laughs> you look like no. a freshman. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, no, thank you for what you're doing. It really matters. Uh, as I said uh, to Doc last a few moments ago, Dr. Chris, we, we, we committed when we got in. We were short on vaccines and short on organization. And when we got sworn in and uh, we committed to do a uh, hundred million uh, well, support. Yeah. Are you a f- Oh man, you smell good, okay? Hey, wait, I can't smell you through the screen. Biden's remarks sparked backlash online from critics who said they thought the comments were sexist. Nicole Sapier, MD, tweeted, Women in healthcare are no longer a stranger to sexist comments made by men, especially those in superior positions. Fox News contributor Lisa Booth wrote, Sexist. Policy analyst Anna Rosa Quintana wrote, What professional women want to be infantilized like a receptionist on Mad Men. So yeah, that, uh, that, that's amazing. And they elected this person. Knowing full well that he does stuff like this. All right, let's keep going here. From the Hill, once again, Buttigieg. Officials considered negative COVID-19 test requirements on domestic flights. From Justine Coleman. Now, that's going to go ahead and probably cut down quite a bit of your customer base. Because people like me, who would normally be going getting ready to fly, because I want to go down and see the Zion National Park, and from Wisconsin, that's a 24-hour drive. But when they say that I need to go and get a, a negative COVID result to get on that flight, I'm going to say this. For those of you who are listening back on the audio platform, that was a very, very obscene gesture that I made involving my hand and my elbow. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said officials are considering a requirement that passengers provide a negative COVID-19 test ahead of domestic flights, according to an interview published on Sunday. One of President Biden's first confirmed cabinet members told Axios on HBO that the CDC engaged in active conversation on whether to implement the requirement. What I can tell you is it's going to be guided by data, by science, by medicine, and by the religion of the left, who are actually going to have to carry this out, he said. But here's the thing. The safer we can make air travel in terms of perception as well as reality, the more people are going to be ready to get back up in the air. I'm ready now, but you have so many draconian measures to go along with this, I don't want to fucking deal with it. Booty Judge's comments come on a potential testing mandate, comes after the CDC instituted a requirement for travels on international flights to the U.S. to test negative for the virus that has infected more than 27 million and killed more than 464,000 
in the U.S. alone. Citation needed, please, according to Johns Hopkins University data. Still, citation needed, please. The testing rule for international flights came as U.S. officials expressed concern about the COVID-19 variants found in the U.K. and South Africa that are more contagious than the original strain. Both variants have been found in multiple states in the U.S., with 690 cases of the U.K. strain across 33 states and six cases of the South African strain across three states, according to CDC data. Well, I've got a truck that's got relatively low miles. If I want to go somewhere, I'll just fucking drive there at this point. Fuck you guys. That's what I have to say about that. From the blaze, gun control activist David Hogg announces new board member for his pillow company and Twitter howls with laughter. From Carlos Garcia, gun control activist and Sniveling a little prick, David Hogg announced a new member of the advisory board for his pillow company, meant to compete with Mike Lindell's My Pillow Empire, but his critics responded with mockery and laughter on social media. Hogg, 20, announced Thursday that he would start a pillow company in order to give those on the left an alternative to the My Pillow offering by Lindell, who is a fervent supporter of former President Trump and has funded legal efforts to overturn the election. On Monday, he announced the first hire for his pillow company. LGBTQ activist Brandon Wolf. I'm thrilled to announce the addition of Brandon Wolf to the Pillow Company's activist uh, advisory board. Brandon has years of experience in organizing for gun violence pre uh, prevention, LGBTQ rights, and he's also just an awesome person, tweeted Hogg. Wolf is a survivor of the 2016 attack on the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Critics of Hogg and his gun control activism took to Twitter to mock him for hiring another activist for a business meant to produce a profit. I honestly believe if I gave my 10-year-old a little seed money, he would be far more competent at making and selling pillows or anything else than Hogg or his band of merry men, said Pratip Shankir, NRO contributor. Will your pillow business involve at any point the sale and manufacture of actual pillows, replied conservative commentator Matt Walsh. It's like they really believe they can run a business based entirely on a virtue signal. Let's see if that works out, responded Carlin Borisenko, a social media commentator. And, I mean, that's what we said last night. We talked exactly about this. This is not about selling pillows. This is about selling David Hogg's face. They're going to find whatever generic pillow they can come back out, probably the same as the $20 Kohl's pillows that I have sitting on my bed right now. They're probably going to go to that factory. No, probably not, because I think those came from China. I'm not going to lie. But they're probably going to go to that factory to get the generic pillows out there, jack the price up 10 times, and say, oh, oh, poor little David Hogg. He survived the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Parkland shooting. Don't you want to buy that pillow? Oh, come on. Just, just buy the pillow that has poor little David Hogg's face on it. Come on. Come on, guys. No, it's not about selling pillows. It's about selling the activism that goes with it. And yes, they have a bunch of little sycophant followers that are going to jump up and do this, but I don't see this going over well for them. But we'll see what happens. I'm kind of interested to grab a little tub of popcorn, even though I don't eat carbs and popcorn is loaded with carbs. For this show, it's worth the popcorn. It's worth the extra carbs. And we'll throw some extra butter on there. All right. 
let's keep going. I got uh, just a couple more, then we'll do uh, Twitter trending and head on out of here. AOC will not apologize for Ted Cruz had me murdered tweet. From Steve Nelson and Rivoon Fenton over at the New York Post. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the Honorable Venerable D. Twitch, told the Post on Monday she's not going to apologize to Senator Ted Cruz for accusing him of nearly having her murdered during the January 6th Capitol riot. The New York Democrat, who represents parts of the Bronx and Queens, said at a press conference that she sticks by her words. Okay, sisters, that's not the quote, and I will not apologize for it. What I said, Ocasio-Cortez, known as AOC, said in the Queen's event, no, you cannot call her AOC, that is disrespectful to her. Remember, she said so. In spite of the fact that's her Twitter handle. Ocasio-Cortez swatted away a recent olive branch from Cruz, who said that he shared the 31-year-old social, uh, socialist concern about the Robinhood stock trading platform. Yeah, we know about all of this here, and... She's not going to apologize. She's just going to keep doubling down because now this keeps the attention back on the Capitol riot. As we go into the impeachment trial, there is strategy to this. People say she's an idiot, but honestly, she's a fairly shrewd politician. And I don't know if it's her or the people that are pulling her strings that are doing this, but she is a fairly shrewd politician, and she does know how to get her message across, no matter how stupid that message is. Well, she can come out and say, well... Well, Poppy, I was raped when I was younger, okay? So now you have to pay attention to me and believe all women. Except for Tara Reid, okay? And Ted Cruz almost had me killed. No, look look back at the Capitol riots. No, look at the buildings now. Look at where all these evil people went in. Okay, Poppy? So, yeah, she's very shrewd. So we'll see what happens with that. All right. From the Daily Wire. Omar Act seeks uh, to stop lawmakers from enriching spouses. I can't wait to see what the acronym stands for for this one. From Amanda Giacomo over the Daily Wire. House Republicans have introduced legislation to stop federal candidates from enriching their spouses or immediately family members by adding them to the campaign payroll, pointedly dubbing the Omar Act, the Oversight for Members and Relatives Act, who comes up with these acronyms? My God. I can't believe. They can make an acronym for anything. Republican Reps Tom Tiffany and Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin announced the legislation on Friday. In a press release, the pair noted a House member from Minnesota who allegedly took advantage of the loophole they wished to close by paying a reported $2.8 million to her husband's consulting firm. The Republicans are seemingly referring to the Democrat Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, though they acknowledge the issue transcends Omar and political parties. The Omar Act, Representatives Timmy, uh, Tiffany and Gallagher said, would put an end to the practice of candidates for office tapping their campaign accounts to enrich their spouses. For too long, lawmakers of both political parties have engaged in the ethical, dubious practice of pocketing campaign funds by hiring their spouses and laundering the money. As campaign-related expenses, Tiffany said, Well, good. We need to do more of that. I mean, we needed to do that years ago, but... You know, let's figure it out. Let's get it done. Some people did something, though. Some people paid some money. Alright, last one here, then we'll do Twitter, uh, Twitter trending and head on out of here. This is just stupidity. 
Galilee. This might be surprise stupidity. Gender reveal party claims another life after cannon explodes during a baby shower in Michigan. From Carlos Garcia. A celebration of new life ended in one fatality when a cannon exploded during a baby shower and sent metal shrapnel flying into a friend of the couple who had been invited to the party. The shocking incident unfolded in Gaines Township, Michigan, a town southeast of Flint. Police said the homeowners had planned to fire off a small explosive device resembling a cannon as part of the baby shower celebration, but when they tried to ignite it, it blew up. Metal shrapnel from the explosion hit the victim, three parked cars, and the garage, where they were holding the baby shower. The victim was taken to the hospital in Flint in serious condition, where he later died. Police identified the victim as Evan Thomas Silva, a 26-year-old man from the town of Heartland. The homeowners indicated that the cannon device was more of a novelty item, and that they had fired it previously with no problems. The cannon is designed to create a uh, big flash, a loud noise, and create smoke. Michigan State Police said the cannon did not contain any projectiles, but it is suspected that the gunpowder loaded into the device caused the cannon to fracture, resulting in shrapnel being spread in the area. Why? Why do we do gender reveal parties? I don't understand that. It's, it's got to be a social media thing and people just coming up and trying to go above and beyond the, the last couple. I don't... I remember when I was younger, though, when my babysitters were growing up, getting married and starting their families of their own and getting pregnant, where we would come out and, you know, you'd, you'd ask somebody on the street, somebody that you knew, hey, did you, do you know if you're having a boy or a girl yet? And they'd just say, oh, well, I'm, we decided we wanted to be surprised or no, no, we're having a girl, we're having a boy. That's, that's how it used to be. Why do we have parties like this? I'd... It's all social media bullshit is what it's come down to at this point. And uh, I think it's time to put a stop to some of this. I really do. Especially now that it's claiming lives. It claimed an entire forest in California. Can we just stop doing this? I mean, everybody does... First off, this is Michigan. These people aren't supposed to be gathering in the first place. This is Michigan. They are breaking the law by having multiple people in a 40-foot radius, in and of themselves. That's against the law in Michigan. You're supposed to have one person per 40-foot bubble in Michigan. And yet, now on top of this, now they're blowing off pyrotechnics and cannons and killing their friends. Let's just stop doing this. Let's bring this back to relegating to a Facebook post saying, oh, well, I'm having a girl. All right, and that's it for the news. So with that, we do on Tuesday Twitter trending. So let's head on over to Twitter and see what we've got going on there. I got a bunch of notifications too, but that's not what we're here for right now. We're not going to read my notifications. We're going to do the trending for the day. So number one, that's an advertisement. We're not going to do that one. Number two, pizza day. Here's a classic Happy Pizza Day. Today is Pizza Day, so we'd like to share with you this well-established formula that, as you may already know, gives name to the delicious Italian dish. V equals pi 
Z squared A, which is pi ZZA. Apparently today's pizza day. I didn't know that. Well, it is what it is. Maybe I'll have to have a pizza today. I wasn't planning on it, but I might have to do that today. Just for the hell of it. Alright, next one. Mary Wilson. Aw, oh, that's sad. I like the Supremes. Uh, Mary Wilson, uh, Supreme's co-founder and Motown legend who appeared on eternal hits like Where Did Our Love Go, Baby Love, and Come See About Me, has died at age 76. Oh, that's lame. That is lame. And she's only 76, too. Oh, that sucks. I like that kind of music. Lame. F in the chat for Mary Wilson. Alright. Let's see. Number three. We'll skip the Tuesday motivations. Impeachment trial is trending for the third one. Steven Crowder. Reading 101 pages and brief for the impeachment trial tomorrow. We'll stream and live fact check so you don't have to. I hate myself, but I love you. Well, I hate you too, Steven Crowder. You stole my morning show, you fucking prick. John Pavlovitz, no reasonable person expects Trump's conviction. Yeah, no, this is just a show at this point. Hold those accountable who broke the law. That's how we begin to heal as a nation. It's not possible to unite with narcissists. Let's fix this mess now. So we'll see what happens with that. If you refuse to prosecute terrorists, stop talking about unity. Yeah, that's what these people are going to do. So, we'll see what happens with that. Alright, where are we at? Four? We're actually at six, but we're only, we're skipping some of these here. R.I.P. Coach. Oh, another F in the chat. R.I.P. Coach Marty. Uh, Coach Schottenheimer, arguably one of the most successful yet underappreciated coaches in NFL history, passed away. Um, Where was he? I don't know who this guy is. Oh, he was a Chiefs coach, looks like. Looks like possibly from the 70s or the 80s, too. Well, after the chat for uh, Coach Marty. All right. And then the last one that we will do today is Picota. If you take one thing from Picota Protections, it should be this. The White Sox way, basically stay healthy. Picota hated the Cubs every year. They actually had a good roster, and now that they aren't trying to win, are projected for more wins than the White Sox. I guess I don't know what Pakota is, but I'm relatively new to baseball as well. Like, I only started paying attention to baseball at all in 2008. 2007. 2007 was the first year that I ever paid attention to baseball. So, some of this I don't understand. Looks like has to do with percentages. I don't know. I don't know what this is, but uh, apparently the White Sox are not good on the projections. 
I'm a Red Sox fan when I do baseball, but I didn't do that this year because, uh, you know, putting that Joaquin kid as a cardboard cutout in the stands to raise awareness for gun violence, I was done with the MLB after that. I don't want to give them any views. And it's not, it has nothing to do with the Red Sox themselves. It actually, it's, I just want to hit the Major League Baseball Foundation the same way that not watching the Packers this year had nothing to do with the Packers. It was directly going towards the National Football League. I didn't want them to have my view either. But um, yeah, I guess today is Pakota Day. So we'll see what the projections are and we'll see what happens with that. So, and that's going to be it for the day. So with that, I just got the text message, too, that said I accidentally started streaming to uh, Elaine's Facebook channel, which I did correct that as far as I know. I, as far as I know, I'm not streaming to there anymore, so we'll have that done. That was an accident. That's why we have the uh, the second video sitting back on the YouTube side. But, uh, yes, we are absolutely done. We will be back here tomorrow for more Contemporary and probably talking a lot about the impeachment because that's here. It's here, guys. We're going to watch this trial. So look forward to that. I'm looking forward to see what uh, kind of theatrics come back out of this. So we'll see what happens there. Definitely looking forward to see how long they drag this out. I'm going to guess it's going to be six months just so they don't have to report on Beijing Biden for quite a little while. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be done today. I doubt it, but maybe it will be done today. Well, we'll just have to sit back and wait. But Look forward to that. Look forward to talking with you guys tomorrow about it and everything that happens there, plus all the rest of the stuff that happens around the Dakota Access Pipeline, the news, and everything else. So looking forward to seeing you guys then. We'll see you then. And by the way, if you're lurking, make sure you get that message in there so we can give you thanks at the end of the week as well. We will see you tomorrow for more Contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>